Recognition, power, and influence is your birthright, and this podcast shows you how to get there. Welcome to episode number 211. Today's episode is the last episode of 2023, and I could think of nothing better than to give you one of my trainings that I did a couple of months ago. This is a training that I hosted called How to Advance Your Career as a Woman in Leadership. I went back through this episode and I hesitated to give it to you because there is so much information in here, but I thought as long as I give it to you towards the end of the year where maybe you can take the opportunity to go for a walk, to just really absorb the teaching that I'm giving you in this episode. There is literally like so much gold inside here. You're going to love every single second of it. You're going to want to listen to it again. You're going to want to share it with your colleagues. So let me just let the episode speak for itself. And otherwise, I wish you all the best in 2023 and a very happy new year. Let's get started. Welcome to Women Changing Leadership. I am your host, Stacey Mayer, and I teach you how to get promoted, get paid, and bring your whole self to the leadership table. I am on a mission to change organizations from the C-suite out because women are the new face of leadership, and we are doing it on our terms. Hello, corporate badasses. Welcome to another episode of Women Changing Leadership. I am your host, Stacey Mayer, and super excited, as always, to be here with you again this week. Essentially, today, we're talking about how to advance your career as a woman in leadership. And something that I get a lot from men, women don't ask me this, (laughs) men ask me this. It sounds like what you teach is the same thing that it takes for anyone, any person to advance into executive leadership. And the truth is, yes, that is actually true. The funny thing is, is that a man will ask me that, but a woman won't ask me that. Why? Because most women are in tune that there are other factors at play. Most women, most people of color, people who don't look, think, act, and talk like the rest of the room. So a lot of times, what the advice that we're being given as women is the same because technically I will say everything. And when I first started my coaching career, I was working with both men and women to help them advance. And a lot of the things that we were working on were exactly the same. And so it was the same skill set. I was interviewing corporate executive men because those were the people that I had access to as to what it took to advance their careers. They were giving me advice on their career path. And then I would apply it to women and it would work like it does work, right? It's the exact same path. But when I say that what works for women is different, I want you to understand what I mean by that. So a lot of times we think that what works for women is different because women are more emotional. We don't assert ourselves. We're not as confident. We're not as outspoken. We're too empathetic, right? All of the feedback that we've been given, we don't take big risks. We we are afraid. We have imposter syndrome, like all of those things that we as women do to hold ourselves back. Almost as if we're incapable of being successful in executive leadership unless we change our personality. That is the message that we are given on a regular basis, that we have to change who we are Even imposter syndrome, like I have to get over that. 
I have to speak up. I have to do something different than what my intuition is telling me to do. I have to work longer hours. I have to travel more. I have to move to headquarters. All of those things that tell us like, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to go to the bar at every single night. I'd rather be with my family. I don't want to do those things. And so we're being told that it's an either or that if we want to have success, we have to change who we are as a person. That is not true. That is not what I was being told it took to get promoted to executive leadership. What the men were saying was not change your personality. They were saying you have to build relationships. You have to understand where you're headed. You have to learn how to communicate at the higher level. You have to know what matters to me. A lot of times we're communicating what matters to us, not what matters to executive leadership. You have to think and communicate like an executive leader. Not and, and that's the problem is that a lot of men don't know how to think and communicate like an executive leader either, right? That's why the same tools apply for both women and men. But today's workshop is how to advance your career as a woman in leadership. And the only difference that I see over and over again is the fact that we don't automatically build trust as women. What is trust and why does it matter? So trust is, I trust you to do the job. I trust that you're reliable. I trust that I like you. (laughs) By default, we trust people who look, think, act, and talk like ourselves. So when I first started working with women, one of the things that I said is, I want to create safety. So a lot of the women are not feeling safe. Um, maybe for like real reasons, like their boss is toxic and they're in an environment that does technically feel very unsafe for them. But also we don't inherently feel safe when we're an other, right? When we feel different than everybody else, we feel like a little threatened. And so I want to kind of like let that guard down so that we come to rooms with women or people who care about our leadership and can at least recognize that the challenges that we face by not looking, thinking, talking like the rest of the room are real and not dismiss that as being like, well, isn't the, the principles the same, you know, as, as what I deal with? Yes, it is the same and it's not the same. So what is trust? Trust is kind of how I describe that you, you know, you build trust inherently with people when you are just like them like we you know we all admit like we like being with people who are easy to get along with people who are kind of like us that we get right we, we do that all the time and this is not a problem when the problem comes in is when we have an executive leader that thinks it's just as easy for us to build trust as it was for them so when you're building trust in that way where you just kind of get invited to the golf course you look like the other person, so they just automatically sort of trust you because they kind of get it. Maybe even you went to the same college, you have the same background, you have the same degree. It's like we just get each other. When that happens, it's easy to give somebody like that this executive communication skills to have them be successful in executive leadership because trust is the foundation. It's just like they, it just happened. And so a lot of the work that I do with women is to help them build trust with executive leadership, because we have to proactively do it. We have to do something different to show 
that we can think and communicate like an executive leader, that we are ready for that next level of leadership. And then all the other things like, you know, being able to be a strategic thinker and lead a team and have difficult conversations. And those are the more universal principles that happen for both men and women to have success in executive leadership. But if we don't have that foundation of trust, then we're not going to advance our career as a woman. And, um, you know, the way that I look at discrimination is it exists. And the more that we can accept, not accept, like it's in bow down and be like, I can't do anything about it. But the more that we can see that it exists and that it's a problem and that I do, and the more we can accept, I do have to do things differently. Maybe it's unfair. We shouldn't have to do that. You know, maybe I shouldn't have to ask for equal pay, but I'm willing to, right? I'm going to do that. It matters to me, right? And I am available and ready for that. So that's what my mission is. That's how I teach you all to advance your career as a woman. I'm going to give you like three areas that we can start building trust today. You know, in terms of networking, I talked about the bar and a a lot of times, you know, my opinions are very clear, uh, but I also kind of surprise myself when I say certain things. So I had a, a woman ask me, how do I get invited to the bar? And I mean, that's a genuine question. How do I get invited to the camping trip? How do I get invited to the room? Right? Like, I just want to be in the room. Like, how do I get invited? And I was like, you don't want to be invited. Like, do you really want to be at the bar? And she was like, no. Like, do you really want to be on the golf course? Do you? No, but I want to be included. And so we, what the first thing that we start to do is start to stop trying to get invited to the bar. Like, stop trying to go on the camping trip and realize that we're going to do something differently. And the good news is is that when we build trust differently in our way, then one, we show them that we're ready for executive leadership. And two, we create a job that we actually like. Thing is, whatever got you there is going to keep you there. So if you had to go to the bar a whole bunch, you're going to have to keep going to the bar, right? If you had to contort yourself and change the way you communicate and, you know, tap down your emotions and pull it together and take really big risks and travel all the time or whatever it might be, you're going to have to keep doing all of those things once you get the job. Like once you get the promotion, you're going to have to keep doing all of that. So this idea gets us into a role that we actually want. So the thing I want to talk about today is that trust has three levels to it. And one of those levels is trusting ourselves, right? And if we don't know the process to building trust, the process to advancing our careers, the process to networking that we actually enjoy, that we like, and it works, we can't keep doing it. And so that's the other piece is that you don't know anything else. So it becomes the expectation. But, you know, back in in 2020, Again, like, you know, I I have these deep ideas and thoughts and then they get brought out of me by people like you. That's why I so appreciate these small environments. And and this woman was like, you know, I ever since I had to work from home, I don't have FaceTime with my boss and I feel like he's ignoring me. Like, I feel like I feel excluded now because I used to see him all the time in the hallway. And I said to her, "Okay, yeah, that's a problem. But I want you to realize seeing your boss in the hallway is not a strategy. It's not a strategy. It's an accident. 
And it's not something that you can control, right? Like, it's just like, what? You know, it's the reason that we feel like we have to go to headquarters and live at headquarters. Like, oh, they all have so much success because they live there. But a lot of times and a lot of people that look, think, and talk and act like the rest of the room, the reasons that they get promoted are through accident. And accident can also be being friends with that executive leader. And so it's like, well, I was just friends with him. I, I went to the same college. And of course, he promoted me, right? It's like, you know, and so we sort of see that and we get all grumbly and tight about it because it's annoying. But that is what's happening when we build trust in that automatic way. It's like we build trust just by being around people. And so prior to 2020, when we were in the office or even now, you know, when people are in headquarters and they are just bumping into people then there is a component where we're building trust just through being around them. But I'm like, oh, okay, that's all well and good. And if that worked for women, we would have more women in the executive suite. But the problem is it just doesn't work. Like the numbers are not there. And so even with the accidental trust, the numbers aren't there. It's not working. And so let's apply the same techniques that work for everybody to advance their career to executive leadership and then add in this component of, building trust proactively, building trust strategically. So this is the trust triad. These are the three ways that we build trust with executive leadership. Obviously, the goal is to advance our careers. The goal is to have success so that they actually see us as an executive leader. The goal is to have a voice, right? So we do the, we build trust in order to have that once we get there. So the three ways are trust in our ability, our ability to do the job at the next level. The second way is trust in ourselves, in myself, and I'll tell you what that means. And then trust in them, trust in our executive leadership. When we do these three things, then we have created trust that we're ready to lead at the executive level. And so up until this point, I'm like, I'm talking more of the outside in. They they see us, they notice us, they trust us. Well, that's all well and good until we actually get the job and we don't trust ourselves. Well, that's all well and good until we get the job, but then COVID happens and then now we're work from home and then we can't trust ourselves anymore. We can't trust our networking skills. We don't really know what we did to get here. We just got lucky. And so many of you, your promotions happen in that sort of way up until a point of like the director level where you don't have to have a strategy to get promoted. I know some of you here right now are not at the director level and you're like, yes, I do. I can't even get promoted to manager. I can't get promoted to director level. But I will tell you, it's a heck of a lot easier because you can just rely on your skills, right? You can at some point that shifts, though, when we start to get to executive leadership where we can no longer just rely on being the smartest person in the room and we have to build trust in these other ways. Um, So first of all, let me talk about trust in your ability. So I teach about this as, you know, sort of like what got you here won't get you there. That's not my words. That's the um you know, that's the name of a really great book and you can go out and get it. What I got you here is your subject matter expertise at some point. Some of the women that I've interviewed for my podcast who at 19 years old knew they wanted to be an executive leader. And so what got them there is going to continue to get them there because they were on a executive leadership path, 
right? They were doing the executive leadership thing right out of their MBA, right? Like it's like, I never went and got an expert, my expertise over here, right? I was always full throttle towards the executive suite, doubled down on all the executive communication skills, everything, executive presence through the roof, ambition. I was straight for CEO. And I've definitely interviewed some of those women for my podcast. They're super inspiring, but I know that's not you at all. Like, I know that's not you because there are skills that we can learn. And if you feel like you don't know them, that's why you're here. So in terms of trusting in your ability, we all came from some sort of expertise, a subject matter expertise. And if you think of your subject matter, like, you know, like think of just like the concentric circles. The middle circle is subject matter expertise, right? That's what got you here. It's your desire. It's what you care about. Sometimes it's what you studied in school. You've practiced it because you've been doing it for 20 years. Like, you know, you didn't just like come out of the gate knowing everything about that subject, but you just like got better and better and better at it. The next concentric circle is executive leadership. And so that executive leadership is outside of the subject matter expertise. And it's how do you think and communicate like an executive leader? And I think of those as almost two separate career paths, right? That's why I say the 19-year-old out of college, that that's what her career path is going to be. She's just going to learn that and double down on that, right? But so many of us are double downing on our subject matter expertise that we don't understand the skills to move out to executive leadership. And then the third circle is thought leadership. And... That one I get very, very excited about. Sometimes that thought leadership circle infiltrates into the middle a little bit. Let's take the path of the woman. And I was thinking of this woman I interviewed, Shelly Archambault, who was on the CEO track since she was 19 years old. You could say her subject matter expertise was how to be a really great CEO. And then she didn't start as CEO. She started as early manager, how to be a great manager, up, 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 transitioned into thinking and communicating like an executive leader. And then now she's a thought leader. She wrote a book. She is out communicating and mentoring and offering leadership and mentorship and guidance to people and that it becomes. And actually, she shared on the podcast interview, it started a little bit sooner than she even expected because her husband was dying and she realized she no longer wanted to be the CEO at her organization. She was like, I'm going to quit being CEO. And then what? And then all this flood of of knowledge and and giving back came into the world. I don't recommend waiting. I, I teach that we can start that thought leadership path all along the way. But that's really what we're talking about when we think of these three circles. So that middle circle, which is what I call the subject matter expert prison. It's a prison. It is the biggest circle. It, it has very thick walls. <laughs> Sometimes we don't even know we're in it. Like, you know, we think we're really good. We think we're doing all the right things. And then somebody passes this up for a promotion. Like, we can't even see the bars. It hurts. It You feel stupid. I mean, seriously, think about it. How many times have you felt that somebody who got promoted above you was not as smart as you? But you felt stupid. You felt like you didn't do something right, right? You felt like you were the one who did something wrong. But then technically, you're smarter than them. Right. And all you didn't do was kind of step out of the prison and start thinking and communicating like an executive leader. If you want to think of a visual of the subject matter expert prison, just think of two bars right in front of you that you can't get. 
you just got to keep beating your head against them. You know, I like to show you that there's a little key that you can put into the lock and you can open the doors and then they open. And, you know, sometimes people ask me how some of the women that I work with get promoted so fast. And they'll say, wow, they must have had that set up for a really long time. You know, I think of this woman in particular, Catherine, who signed up for coaching and got promoted within a week, you know, and so you could be like, well, you know, she did all the right things. What she did is she was really great at her job. She had gone passed over a couple of times already. She knew what she needed to do. All she had to do is kind of like put the key in, turn the lock and open the doors and then walk right out. And in her case in particular, it was being able to speak towards what she actually wanted. She had never fully communicated that she didn't want to be stuck at her desk all the time. So the reason that our subject matter expert prison is so like heavy is because one, we're good at it and it's how we identify and how we believe in our ability and how we, what we lead with in conversation. That's why it's so pervasive. But also it tells everybody around us that we're happy. Like, think about that for a minute. If you're really good at your job and you've been working 20 years to get there, why do you need anything else? Why do you need to like lead this 200 person team? Like you don't need a promotion. You're doing so good. And so in her case, it was a matter of of asking and saying, hey, I've been doing so good. Excellent performance reviews. I'm ready for more. I can do it. And here's the reasons why. And they were like, you know what? Yes. So in some ways, it can be as simple as that. But I also want to give you a tool to even just crack the bars a little bit. And it's what I call 5%. So in your next one-on-one with your boss, you can speak to something else other than your work, your subject matter expertise, 5% of the conversation. And for most of you, it's going to be two sentences at the beginning of the conversation. So you're going to say, hey, Before we get into the work, before I get into my checklist, before we start talking about all the things we're working on, I just want to talk about why I think my project matters. Give your opinion and perhaps your boss will engage and also talk about why your project matters to the organization, to the company, right? Even if you have a sense of why it matters, even if you've had these conversations before, starting with the vision why it matters to your group, why your leadership matters, why the why what you're working on matters to the organization. Um, and I'll give you a hint. If you can't come up with why it matters, it's usually money. Like what you're working on is going to make the company more money. In general, that happens a lot. You can just guess. Maybe that's it, right? Maybe it's longevity for the organization, like success with clients, like any of those things. Spend 5% of the conversation talking to that bigger picture. When I'm what I'm talking about here is our belief and our ability. If we don't quantify executive leadership in the same way that we quantify our subject matter expertise, like I'm good at this, then it's really hard to believe in our ability to be successful at the next level. Like imposter syndrome aside, like it's hard, right? And it's easier to quantify it, right? And so we start to be able to put a reason behind it, a reason why what we are going to be successful at that next level. There are other things that I teach in terms of 
who we are as a leader, defining that leadership style and stuff. But at the very beginning piece, it's really just how do we start to communicate more to that bigger picture, right? That's the easiest way to kind of start chipping away at it. And then you're going to go to the next place, which is belief in yourself, right? That you can be successful or that you even want that next level of leadership. One of the things that I think Sheryl Sandberg did really well when she came out with Lean In, which is like over 20 years ago now. So there's steps in her book. And some of those steps, you know, quite frankly, I think are sort of like change yourself and contort yourself, right? Like there's some problems with it, which is why we run up against a wall with sometimes with women's leadership. But what she did is really well is create a national global conversation that it was okay for women to want more, that it was okay. It was okay to be a mom and be ambitious, right? That it was okay to ask that it was, that that was something that was even possible for you. And so I said on one end that that was 20 years ago, which in some ways kind of sounds like a lot, In the corporate world, in the industrial revolution, in white collar work, it's yesterday. (laughs) And so we don't have role models in executive leadership per se past like 10 years who we actually want to emulate. So you can have a woman, you can have a person of color in executive leadership and be like, I don't even want to be like them. Like they seem like, you know, everybody at my organization seems like they don't have kids. Or everybody in my organization who's at the top seems like they travel all the time or they just seem like they're constantly pulling their hair out. I don't want any of that, right? I don't want that to be that type of executive leader. And so then rarely we kind of see these women who have had success at the C-suite. And when we think about the career path, that's only in the last decade, right? That we're starting to see actual role models that we want to emulate. And so this is why we're, it's another reason why it's so important to just come back to yourself and to say, hey, I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I teach a process called 3Xing Your Vision. And so that's basically where you want to be three promotions from now. So like, hey, I don't know what it's going to look like to become a CFO and have work-life balance and not hate myself. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm willing to go for it, right? It's far enough removed. And when you can know that nobody knows what it's going to look like, because it doesn't exist as the norm a lot of times. And even the male role models that we have in executive leadership have only recently had the courage to come out and lift other people up and lift other women up, right? Like it's only been in the last decade too that even those executive leaders have felt that calling to be a sponsor to not ask me the question, which is, isn't this the same thing that works for a man? Like, there are so many people that get it now. They're like, no, it's not. And it's not about imposter syndrome or because they're too empathetic. There's something else at play. And again, like I said, it's this ability to build trust. So this idea that we want it, and that's enough, right? That we can have the ability to create our own path. So this is that trust in ourselves, right? This trust in in coming back to yourself and saying, you know what, this is what I'm going for. I'm going for a better life, right? It is always, always, always bigger than the title. 
It's always bigger than senior vice president or CFO. It's always bigger than that, right? That's just the beginning. But the problem is so many of us as women, because we're fighting for the bigger meaning, is we can't even say that we want to be CFO. So I want to remind you the fastest way you can help have bigger meaning is to have resources to get the title, to be in a position of influence and power and think about the number of other people that you're going to lift up as a result, right? And we can only do that. We can only lift other people up if we get there in a way that is is fulfilling and true to ourselves. So when we have that reminder, then we can kind of say, you know what, CFO sounds great. You know, making an extra 200K is worth it. it. It's not about the money. I know it's not about the money, but think about what $200,000 could give you in terms of resources. And then we're like, oh yeah, you know, that'd be great, right? And and also it starts to have a bigger global impact, right? In terms of equal pay, in terms of role modeling to our direct family as to what's possible. When we do things that were originally impossible, then we create that opening for possibility, right? It never existed before and now it does. That's what we're doing in terms of that belief in ourselves. And that never goes without saying, right? We can build trust, build trust, build trust. And if we don't actually want it, then we're going to have a really hard time going for it and understanding what it is that we're really going for and why we're doing this third piece, which is building trust and having trust in our executive leadership team. And that piece is hard. It's hard to ha- to schedule meetings with your CEO. It's hard to schedule meeting with your skip level. Because the easy thing to do is to just have your regular conversations with your boss, hope that your boss will promote you, hope that everything works out, right? It's much harder to put ourselves out there and to really go for more, to have those conversations. I had a conversation with a woman just yesterday and she was sharing with me you know, all the great things that she's doing. She asked to attend this conference. She asked to get mentorship and guidance from one of her executive leaders. And she was so proud of all of these different ways that she put herself out there. And I said, did you let anybody know that you're looking to advance in leadership? Those words, I'm looking to advance in leadership. And she was like, oh my God, that makes my stomach hurt. (laughs) Like, Oh, I can't say that. And so, but what she was thinking that she was saying by asking for a mentor, by asking to go to this conference, she thought she was saying, I want to advance, but she wasn't at all. When we're doing our job really well, what we think we're saying is I want to advance and we're not, we're not saying that at all. And so when we engage in these higher level conversations with people and every now and then we say the reason that I'm engaging with you is because I'm looking to advance my career. I'm looking to stay at this company long term. I want to grow. I want to be a CFO someday, even if you're at the director level, being willing to just say that, have that level of vulnerability. And to me, and you know, I mean, call me cold if you want, but to me, that's not even vulnerable. (laughs) Like I'm like, I can get how it feels uncomfortable and stuff. But you're not being vulnerable. It's much more vulnerable to say, can I get promoted in January to senior director and have them tell you no? That's more vulnerable, but that's the way we're acting. We're asking for that next promotion. And then when they tell us no, we're just completely deflated. 
it's much less vulnerable to say, hey, I want to advance into leadership. I want to, I want your job someday. Not right now. I'm not trying to get your job, right? But I would love to learn from you and grow, not just because I'm a good student, but because I want to advance into executive leadership. So that's how we start to build trust, um, both with our executive team, but we start to trust in them. And so the way that I'm, I'm, positioning this third piece of this trust triad is trust that your executive team has you, that they get you, and that they understand what your career ambitions are, that they understand and they're looking out for you and they're looking for opportunities for you. And so a lot of times it's just being in front of them more often. That's the strategic process. When I say, you know, it's not a strategy to bump into your boss, we can do that with the process that I call a call. 15 minute ally meeting. And I'm not going to be able to go into all the details of it, but you could definitely do a more in-depth training at stacymayer.com slash badass strategy and learn more about 15 minute ally meetings. In a nutshell, what you're doing is you're communicating and having regular conversations with the executive leadership team in a multitude of different ways. And when you start to do that, you trust them, you know who they are, you know who to go to, you know who you like, you know what they stand for, you know what matters, you know how they communicate different than how you're communicating, that you know how they solve problems. You know, sometimes they think all my skip level ever talks about is the vision, the vision, the vision, the vision. He doesn't want to know about the projects I'm working on. I'm like, yeah, that's a clue, right? Like what got him there? (laughs) You know, and it's like you got to start talking about the vision as well. You have to learn how to communicate up and understand how to figure out what matters to them, how to communicate to that. Right. And we do all that in real time just through having conversation and listening, sort of being an investigator and then figuring out how to apply that into our normal everyday conversation. So there are always two pieces happening at the same time. There is our someday goal and then there's our immediate goal. So our immediate goals in the next three to six months are always very concrete, very in the real time, very immediate. So that would be advancing to director, like what my next promotion, right? The next performance review, if I succeed and take on this project, right? And then we have our someday goals. And for a lot of people, especially when you're having a conversation with your boss, you can include a little bit of the someday goals, but you want to have a timeline for your next promotion. You want to have a timeline for your deliverables. You want to have a timeline for whatever is happening for you. And when you're talking to executive leadership, somebody who's a skip level or two levels up, those people are not technically responsible for your next promotion. But here's the funny thing is, if one of them wants you to get promoted, guess what? You will. You will. If your skip level wants you to be promoted, you will be promoted. As long as your boss doesn't dislike you, like actively work against you, you will get promoted much faster through your skip level than your boss any day of the week. But your boss is very happy to lay out a plan and put together, you know, milestones that you could work against and all that great stuff. But it could be, the key could be just one solid relationship with your skip level. But you would never have conversations about a promotion timeline with your skip level or your or two levels up. You want to have those someday conversations. And then you can talk about the immediate, like what's actually happening today. And then like, you know, work it backwards. 
So stacymayer.com slash badass strategy is where I go into more detail with 15-minute ally meetings. It's actually a conversation I had with Jennifer Fisher. She is one of my clients who went from vice president to senior vice president to now chief sales officer in the matter of, well, we've been working together for four years, but all of this happened for her in three years. And she talks about how she used 15-minute ally meetings all along the way to have that success. Share this with a friend or colleague who you think needs to learn this information. And I encourage all of you to come in, work with me, reach out to me directly um, on LinkedIn. I will reply to you. I create so much content um, based off of your real questions. I'm very committed to giving you really practical ways that you can begin to advance your career. All right. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye. go, I have a question for you. Do you know how close you are to your next promotion? Really? Not what your boss has told you, not what you even believe to be true, but have you actually taken the time to sit down, take an assessment, review the five categories that it takes to get promoted into senior executive leadership positions and decided where you fall in each category and given yourself a ranking on a scale of one to 10 of how close you are to getting your next promotion? Have you done this? Well, now's your chance. If that feels interesting to you and you're like, hey, I want to know exactly how close I might actually be or how far away you might be and what it's going to take to get you even closer, then I invite you to take my promotability quiz. This is a quiz that I put together with practical tips that actually tell you where you're lacking and where you're winning. What are the areas that you actually need to improve and not necessarily what your boss is telling you all the time so that you can take concrete steps towards landing that next promotion and changing the face of the leadership table. Go to yourpromotabilityscore.com to take your free assessment today, yourpromotabilityscore.com, and let me know how it goes.